Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If you're here tonight and trying to make a decision and you're going like, well, man, I have to make it by tomorrow and relax, be patient, be still, wait for the Lord. You see, sometimes God allows things to get right to the end to test us if we'll trust him. And you're going to see that tonight. Day one, day two, day three, all the way to day seven. But it's on that day seven that he just goes ahead. If he waited a little longer, everything would have worked out right. King David's story begins with his predecessor, Saul. While Saul began his kingship well, his character flaws were revealed in times of stress. He wasn't patient, and he avoided personal responsibility for his wrongdoings. When he was given specific directions by the prophet Samuel, he allowed his personal standing in front of his soldiers to cause him to disobey Samuel's instructions, costing Saul the kingdom. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the characteristics that God is looking for in a king in Israel, but this applies to your life as well. Listen closely and learn what God wants you to be. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 13 as he begins his message, The Life of David. You can turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Samuel, Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 13. We begin a new series and take us probably three or four, five, six months to finish it out. The life of David. The life of David. To begin that series, we're really not even going to talk much about David, just a little. Because we need to give you a review of how David became the second king of the nation of Israel. It's amazing how much money and time we spend on our outside physical bodies. In case you don't know it, in the United States we spend more than $8 billion a year on makeup Alone. Eight billion. Turn to your neighbor and see if they're worth it. Go ahead. What, what do you think? <laughs> Maybe wasted money. Huh? What are them wrinkles? Man. Linda and I were watching uh, Dr. Oz last night. And, you know, and he was taking this gal that's got these jaws or whatever when they get older. And they're just putting a little stuff right in there, right in front of you, man, just perfect. Lasts about a year and a half. I went, well, that's a moneymaker every year and a half, 2000 bucks or whatever. Well, as we begin the life of David, there's something different than the outside. 
If you mention the word David, there's a lot of things that come to our mind biblically. But one of the things that always comes to your mind and my mind, if you know anything about David, is that David was a man after God's, after his heart. It wasn't about the outside. It was really all about the inside. So developing a heart for God is really what the life of David is about. But it's not just the life of David. It's all of our lives. What does it mean to have a heart for God? It simply means to please God with body, soul, and spirit 24-7 on a consistent basis. How did he develop that as he moved along in that walk with God? And then how did David become the, the second king of Israel to do that? We have to take tonight a little bit of review in the life of Saul in order to begin to contrast the difference between Saul and David. Now, one of the things that's very interesting about the Bible is the Bible pictures the people, the key people in the Bible, just as they are. May I say tonight, without spiritual makeup. We get to see who they really are. And tonight, it's, well, it's not really a good picture. I mean, it isn't really a pleasant picture with Saul. And some of us can be very critical. But I want to remind you that we all have the exact same sin nature in us that Saul had. And as we go through these principles, you'll see yourself there. And it really, well, to be honest, it looks pretty ugly on others. Sometimes we never even realize what it looks on ourselves. So there's some redeeming things as well, but we have to go through and just see what's going to happen in Saul's life. And of course, then when we get to David, there's some amazing, wonderful things that David has, but there's a few areas there that, well, remind us. When we go to the New Testament, the Bible says that God gave us these people because they're just like us. Remember, New Testament says Elijah was a man just like us. And so don't get a feeling tonight that this is unrelated to you and I, because it is very much related to you and I. We all have that. We're just flawed people. And God saved us, and we're moving along in that area, and our heart's trying to be there. But So what is really going to happen? Well, the nation of Israel was supposed to be very different than the other nations of the world. And God had developed them to say to the rest of the world, well, there's one true God among all these pagan gods, and this God is an amazing God who will take care of you. And eventually, of course, they were to talk about the the solution to man's biggest problem was the need for forgiveness. From that nation of Israel would come the Redeemer. Well, the nation of Israel was supposed to be light to a pagan world. Problem is, they ended up compromising and becoming like the pagan world. And so, To show how that really happened is, all the pagan nations around Israel had their kings, had their human leaders. Well, God didn't want a king for the nation of Israel. He wanted to be the king. Let me just stop and say tonight, forget the politics stuff, Republican, Democrat, I don't care anything about that. Do you think we'd be better off tonight if we had God as our king? I mean, is there any doubt? (laughs) But we don't. 
So the nation of Israel, kind of like us, they clamored for a king. God finally said, okay, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And that's a little, this is a little extra credit right at the top. Sometimes when you ask for something enough, God will give it to you. Be careful what you ask for. Because sometimes you don't want it after you got it. And really, as Israel starts to go down this line, they wish they had never done this, including many of the kings. So they asked for a king, and God put Saul. God put Saul uniquely, sovereignly on the throne. And what God was doing was simply giving in to what the Israelites wanted. So he put him on the throne to reign over Israel, really to reign forever, his whole lineage, his family. You'll see that as we go through. God chose him, God was committed to him, and God wanted to make it work. But because of Saul's carnal nature that you and I have, you'll see that he becomes disqualified as a king, eventually. His whole reign, all the children will no longer ever be in that line. And then, of course, he even almost loses everything personally, not just as a king. So we begin in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5. Now, the enemies at this particular time... Many enemies, but the Philistines, the main ones that we read about often. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And they went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. Now, when the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical... And that the army was hard-pressed, notice what they did. They hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and the pits and the cisterns. Now, those of us that had just came back from Israel, that verse comes alive to us. I mean, in Israel, everything is rocks. It's everywhere. And so you can just see how that would have happened. So some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan. We were by the Jordan the whole trip to the land of Gad and Gilead. And Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. So let's set the stage. The enemy is nearby. They're massive. The odds are amazing. And the Israelites, they they see this army. They see what's happening. Many of them are scattering. They're running for cover. They know they're finished. They're done. They have no trust in God. The other ones are there still with Saul, but they're shaky. They're fearful. So Saul is looking at this as the leader, and he begins to panic. Look at verse 8. Now Saul waited seven days. The time set by Samuel, the prophet, But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men, Saul's army, began to scatter. So King Saul faces a dilemma. The enemy's around. It's massive. It's obvious that Saul and his army are totally outnumbered. 
Saul, as he watches, his men are running away from him, crossing the river. Others are paralyzed. They're panicked. They're leaving. And Saul should have, as a leader, should have said, wait a minute. God's for us. Samuel's coming to be here. By the way, Samuel the prophet probably was coming to pray over the army that God would be with them in the battle. So he should have been encouraging them and saying God's in control. But all of a sudden, Samuel kind of loses it. Now, you're close by. Turn back to 1 Samuel 10.8. Just hold your finger right there. 1 Samuel 10.8. Saul had a command from the prophet of God about this very situation. And I think it's good for you to read it and see. 1 Samuel 10, verse 8. Samuel says, go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. But you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. So that was very plain. Saul knew exactly what Samuel said. Samuel was the prophet. He's the one that interacted with God. He would take God's messages and give them to the king. So now you can flip back to where we were. Here's King Saul, and and he's there, and he's getting anxious. And in a moment, you're going to see that he totally disobeys this. He panics, and he basically gets ahead of God. In a moment, he's going to offer the sacrifices and the offerings. So let me just ask you to write a couple keys as we start. First, impatience often leads to disobedience. Impatience often leads to disobedience. You see, Saul knew that the people were losing courage. They were scattering. He's losing courage. The situation looks hopeful. So he panics. In our walk with God, timing is critical. It's crucial. It's easy to see things in the flesh and begin to panic. We've all been there. Panic usually ends up or results in one thing, and I'll do it visually to you. You take the situation... And you take it into your own, what? Hands. And how does that work for you? When I take the situation into my own hand, usually things are not going to do very good. This means when I take him into my hands, I'm leaning to my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm acknowledging me, and good things are not coming down the pike. Well, that's what happens. Second thing you want to write, getting ahead of God usually leads to disaster. I could do a series, getting ahead of God. And I could use a lot of biblical characters. But I could ask you to write to me your story. We'd have thousands of stories because we've all been there. In the old days when we bought cars, you go to the car dealer, you go buy a car. You and your wife have been debating whether you should really buy a car. Of course, when you go there and see it, and you open the door and you smell it, 
You know, they have a perfume. They just stick in that sucker to make you want to buy the new, smells like a new car. No, I'm just kidding. So you're there. And of course, as you're working the deal, you know the whole deal. Well, I can't hold this till tomorrow. This deal is for tonight. What do you mean you can't hold someone? No, that's, it. that's the only car here. It's the only one that has all the things in it. It's a color you like. <laughs> so you and your wife are talking. Is this really God's will or not? Well, honey, I don't think so. Well, I think it is because the color's right. That God, God brought us here for the color. Now, if you just bought a car this week, nobody called me, so relax. You can just relax. But you know what happens? Pretty soon we're what? Panicky. It's the only one there. Gotta buy it. We gotta buy it. By the way, three or four years ago, that happened numerous times every day in the housing market. There's seven people behind you. You want to pay three times what this house is worth? If you don't, the guy behind you will. And it was true. They were there. So what do we do? We're impatient. We don't hear from God. And we get ahead of God. By the way, any, anybody here know what I'm talking about tonight? Okay. So, so we're going to look at Saul and go, what's wrong with you? Saul, you dummy. You're supposed to wait seven days. We've been there. But impatience... Is a sign of the flesh because we're going to take the situation on our hand. Think about getting ahead of God leading to disaster. How did Moses end up in the wilderness for 40 years? He got ahead of God. He took things in his own hand and he killed the Egyptian. Remember? He decided he'd handle it. How about Sarah and Abraham? Why are we having trouble in the Middle East still to today? Because Sarah and Abraham got impatient. God had promised them a child. One day, Sarah said, Abraham, here's Agai. Take her. Make love to her. Bring us a child. Abraham went, works for me. (laughs) Off he goes. And what happened ever since then? We've been in a mess forever. We've all been there. So understand, if I get ahead of God's timing, it's all because of impatience. Because his timing is crucial in our lives. Just wait, and God will work it out in your life. This year when we were Israel, we, we don't always stop there, but we stopped on Mount Precipice, where Jesus came into a town, And they got so angry at him, they were trying to throw him off the cliff to kill him. And the Bible says, Jesus, knowing it wasn't the time, he just snuck out and God provided a way of escape. See, Jesus knew the timing of God. Remember Palm Sunday when he came into town? He did something he never really did before. He allowed the people to go, you're the Messiah, publicly he would always say to the people, don't say anything. It's not my time. It's not my time. But he knew the timing of God. It was his time to go to the cross. So timing is very important. If you're here tonight and trying to make a decision and you're going like, well, man, I have to make it by tomorrow and relax. Be patient. Be still. Wait for the Lord. You see, sometimes God allows things to get right to the end to test us if we'll trust him. And you're going to see that tonight. Day one, day two, day three, all the way to day seven. But it's on that day seven that he just goes ahead. If he waited a little longer, everything would have worked out right. Well, go back, look at verse nine. What does Saul say where we were? 
He says, so bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Impatience caused Saul to panic. And finally on day seven, sometimes during that day, with no Samuel in sight, things getting worse from his eyes, Saul took things, as we just said, into his own hands. He got ahead of God's will. He was doing ministry that as a king he was not called to. You see, only a priest could offer a sacrifice. Verse 10 is very interesting. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. If he'd waited just in patience, he'd have been perfectly fine. But just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. If only. That's another whole Simran series. If only. Ever said it? If only. I would have waited. Been there. Done that. Psalm 37, 7 says this. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about people who prosper fret about their wicked schemes. So maybe you're here tonight and anxious. We understand that. Be patient. Wait. Well, verse 11 says this. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Obviously, he probably smelled the sacrifice, could see it. We don't know exactly if he already saw it or he just knew what was happening. And Saul replied, when, circle these two words, I saw. When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling that mismatch, what was Saul doing? He was walking by sight. Not by faith. Easy for us to do. He looked and he said, the circumstances, I have to make a move now. I have to make the move. And you'll now begin, here you see it, the blame game begins. The excuse game begins. But really, with God, there is no blame game. It's not a game. Instead of admitting that he should have waited, you're going to see Samuel, to to Samuel, Saul, initially he's going to blame Samuel, you're late, if you'd been here earlier in the day, there'd been no problem, then he's going to blame the people, then he's going to blame the circumstances. Instead of trusting Saul, he tried to excuse his inappropriate behavior, sin, working as a priest. Now, watch, watch what he says. By the way, when you think of Saul and you think of David, one of the things that is uh, distressing is Saul seemingly never really repents. He sometimes says the right words, but repentance means totally changed in heart and action. He, He never does. He's always the excuse king. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the importance of being the kind of person that God can use. He contrasted the qualifications that God looks for as opposed to what the world looks for. He also pointed out that the Bible lets you see all of the things that lead to someone God had placed in the kingship, Saul, having that kingship taken from him. 
God doesn't play around. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching on the life of David. He will keep illustrating the role humility plays in your usefulness to God. He will also talk about Samuel's falling into the natural error of wanting to choose a leader based on external appearance, good looks, personality, and the like. You'll learn how to apply all of these lessons to your own life. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Let us hear your lessons.